Samuel's her husband, and Chapman is the Chapman is the dick. Yeah, and then there's you know random other characters, and right. nothing is important. But before we get to that part, we right. have to introduce ourselves. Oh, I'm Rick Fox. I am an author here in Nashville, and I am an undulating series of black veins slowly working their way into your body and turning you into a monster. Oh, charming. I'm Michael, and I'm an accountant here in Nashville and also a writer. Um, and I just really can't wait until my husband gets home. <laughs> and we're opinionated. are reading Daniel Green's novella, Breach of Peace. Uh, Breach of Peace was released in 2021, and I don't care what it has on Audible because those star ratings are not really reliable in terms of quality. It's either a four to five star or it's terrible. And so, anyway, an imperial family is found butchered. Officers of God are called to investigate. Evidence points to a rebel group trying to seed fear into the very heart of the Empire itself. Inspector Clid takes the case and begins a harrowing hunt for those responsible. But when a larger conspiracy comes to light, will Inspector Clid be able to trust those working in her own precinct? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So today I picked this one, so you are going to be doing the character summary. So run us through the three characters that matter. Yeah, there's so there's a lot of minor characters in this, all of whose names, for the most part, I have forgotten. But there are three main characters. And there's actually, so the majority of this book takes place from the perspective of a woman named Clid. Mm-hmm. Um, pronunciation is vague on that one because it's K-H-L-I-D. Yeah. Um, so she's our, she's our main viewpoint character by far. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a couple of head jumps to other characters just so that the story can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's definitely our, our main player. Um, she is a badass inspector type who has been called to the scene of a grisly murder. And she is on the hunt for figuring out who would have done this and how they're connected to the rebellion. Mm-hmm. And um, just very much the like classic femme inspector type uh, kind of tropey. Yeah. Um, smokes a lot, and if you've read Dresden, I feel like she's in the Murphy vein. Yeah, like they're, she's they're very different characters eventually, but I feel like they're in the same trope character. Yeah, trope trope wise, yeah. definitely same genre. Um, good with a gun. Yeah, keeps her head, and smokes a lot. Like, but generally, and yet somehow a little too feminine in some ways. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> that's Clid. Um, then there's the asshole. Um, his name is Chapman. Right, yes. Uh, he really is just the asshole. Like, he's the super smart, I feel like solves all the problems. It may be that I'm hyper aware of it because my son's, you know, been diagnosed with autism. But I feel like this guy might actually be autistic. Like, the way that it describes his inability to deal with social situations and, and all of that, it makes me feel like that, that might be the case. So, I think that's generous because the way that... Daniel Green writes Chapman, it's very much more like Chapman is selfish. So he doesn't remember people's names. Right. He calls them by the wrong name or even offensive names. Um, I I definitely think it's possible to perceive him as on autistic yeah. or on the spectrum for sure. But that's not the way he has written was not that generous. Even when we were inside his head as a perspective which kind of bothered me. See, I would disagree there. I think that's very true from the outside perspectives of him. I think that I get that a lot more from there. But at least me, as someone who uh, might have some similar issues, at least in terms of, like, I'm very forgetful with names and I will come up with nicknames that I don't want to use outside of my head sometimes. <laughs> I'm glad I, to know that. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I can understand where it it feels that way. But to me, it does come off as much more of a, like, okay, I get this guy a lot more because it comes off as less selfish and more of a, like, this is just the way that this guy's brain works to yeah. me. Um, and I think that sh- is something that I would love to get into after we, we've gone through the characters sure. and the plot summary, yeah. because that's actually one of the issues that I have with this story, is there is character behavior and there is description of mm-hmm. or interpretation of character behavior that don't jive mm. with each other. Okay. And it caused, for me the story to feel melodramatic okay. in a way that was not 
enjoyable. Right. I kept being like, lol, oh, yep, yep, we're going to just follow this trope now. Okay. Mm. <laughs> Whereas the characters themselves had a lot of potential mm-hmm. to be more fa- multifaceted. Sure. Maybe he is on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. But when everyone's interpretation overlayers that in a certain way, mm-hmm. it just, yeah. Right. We can get into that more when we get all of sure. all of our main boring stuff done. <laughs> um, There's so, just the last thing, character left now. Yeah, well, so, but Chapman turns out to be a, a great, like, overall character in that he's a good foil for, for Clyde. I'd agree with Like, that. he brings out stuff in her that she wouldn't be able to access otherwise. Um, they relationally have... A, a relatively good relationship overall. Mm-hmm. And he serves as a, as kind of a pinch point character in making Clid decide which direction she wants to go. So yeah. overall, I actually really enjoy Chapman's character, but his trope is the asshole. Yeah. So Clid's trope is the inspector woman mm-hmm. with the a gun, girl. the tough, tough girl. Um, and his trope is the asshole. Right. And then there's Samuel. Oh, Sam, <laughs> beloved Sam, right. beautiful Sam, sweet Sam. <laughs> Heaven help us, Sam. Anyway, <laughs> if you haven't figured out already, Sam is definitely Clid's husband. <laughs> yes. And, and Clid is very much into, is into Sam. Very much into Sam, which I'm I'm very pro because yeah. like having, you know, a long term marriage where the person is still really enthusiastic about being with their spouse. I love it. I think that's great. I found it a little much in this story <laughs> considering the context. However, Sam is like your classic good guy. Mm-hmm. He's the one who always wants to stay on the right side of the law. He wants to protect his lover. Um, like, I mean, he's he is, but he's also got shades of gray in that he is, you know, very, he seems to have a very much a temper, especially where it comes to Chapman. He, and he was overstepping he some lines significantly with him, at least. And I don't know if that would spread to other characters outside of Chapman, because it's very clear that their relationship is an antagonistic one. But. I think he still, to me, fits the good guy trope, mm-hmm. because those flares of temper and those oversteps are from this story in service of protecting the woman he loves, That's... or or possessing the woman he loves. In general, his issue with Chapman is because he's afraid that Clyde is attracted to Chapman. Like, it's not just pure male competition happening there. And that's emphasized by the fact that Clyde comments mentally on Chapman's body repeatedly. Sure. So there's a perception of sexual attraction that's happening that I think Sam perceives. And so that, to me, is where the tension came from and the competition and that to me is just still very much the classic good guy trope. It's not very. I think we'll nuanced. have to get into that once we've gotten through the the plot because I didn't take it that way. Although I do see where you're coming from with that. Now that you say that, it, Samuel isn't like Chapman in that. I don't think we go directly into his head at any point. And so I was we trying don't, to think um, if we did. I don't think we do. We have yeah. that one off character, Michael or Michael's brother at the end, the newspaper yeah, yeah. reporter. Yeah, but I think that's the only other in-head perspective that we have. Right. I don't think that we ever get into um, Samuel specifically, and so I could see that being the case, but it's not necessary. It's not like Chapman where you get an insight into his head right. and you know specifically what he is thinking. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that's that's fair. Do you want to bring up any of the other characters or just go through? So there there are some other like important characters to think of in terms of like their archetype, I think. So there's a there's a god figure mm-hmm. that has minions, and we deal with one of the the great minions, the uh, chosen, the chosen. Yeah. Yes, and that piece I felt like was good because it stood for the law outside the law, like yeah. the beyond the law law, where if the law messed with them, then they were in the wrong. It didn't right. matter what the chosen did. Um, it, it's interesting because it puts you in a perspective of these characters are largely above the law, mm-hmm. the, the inspectors are, and then there is someone who can just do all the things that they could do to normal people, and there's someone who can do it to still them. still squish them, yeah. yeah. So it just, it. I felt like The Chosen set up a good image of the hierarchical structure of this society yeah. and the way that it works um, internally mm-hmm. in a way that was really interesting. And that character, like The Chosen doesn't have a name and yeah. only shows up late in the story but i felt like it was an important character to like think about yeah i say it i guess it was a she um it didn't have a gender for most of the thing and for, i still yeah think very of it very much it. at the end yeah but i i think i think of it as an it um or i think of her as an it because 
she had pronouns only for like two sentences. Right. Um, so there's also the captain. Yes. And, and the captain, um, I felt like was really interesting. There were actually a couple of officers who were really interesting, but the captain was the one who kind of stood the middle ground between law and order Mm -hmm. and ended up choosing, um, the, the greater good, Mm -hmm over the order of the day to me which fit i think with the characterization they're giving him because he's like For the sure. kind of, of person who is like he's making his officers you know start do community do service community service start and, soup kitchens that kind of thing yeah and, and like they have like the lowest crime rate in all of the districts but it's right. because he's not focused on just squashing crime he's focused on getting rid of crime before it starts right by which, taking care of people in a world where you've got a lot of very gray cops you would expect him to be much more of a like asshole, oh, maybe yeah. with a heart of gold, but an asshole nonetheless. Yeah, but he's um, not. He's very much like almost like the fatherly figure yeah, to me. Yeah. So, is but there anyone else you want to bring up before I jump into it? The the Manor family was not interesting and not named. I mean, they're um, all dead. So they're like. all dead, rich people. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, really, Clid, Sam, and Chapman are the only ones that you're going to remember by the end of the story. Yeah. So, and probably the Chosen. I'll give I'll give that. But the Chosen you're going to remember, but they don't have a name. Yeah. So or much character really. It's it's just very evil. Mm, it's very much evil scientist slash slash and hack. Yeah. So our story opens up with a dead kid, um, which is fucked up. Right. <laughs> the, the murders are really fucked up in this. We're definitely gonna have to get into how good he is at describing oh, gore because yeah. he's got a talent for that. If yeah. nothing else. Sorry, um, Daniel. I don't know. That's the talent that you wanted, but I, congratulations. I mean, you nailed it there. <laughs> but uh, we open with a a murder of a kid, and then we find out that it is the murder of an entire family. Um, yep. A a very very wealthy family has been just slaughtered. All of them. Um, and not just killed, but like and slaughtered killed spectacularly, and like killed and like as a spectacle, and yeah, yeah, and like their their organs and their their pieces strewn about the entire house. Some like, pieces are completely missing. Okay, before we get into all of this, the murder of the child, his eye was missing. The eye is never found, and that is never resolved in this story. And it pisses me <laughs> off because I was so sure that that eye was, was going to lead to whatever the next step of the mystery was and it did not yeah, yeah. and it was never resolved daniel not okay <laughs> i'm still mad about this that's i think that's reasonable that he does put spend a lot of time on that eye there was multiple mentions of the eye and like looking at the eye and not being able to find the eye and right. it's missing in the eye so where is that eye i, I need to know face right now <laughs> we need to do video podcasts one day one i'm very will. facially expressive one day we got will, me I'm kicked sure. out of a church before <laughs> <laughs> gonna need to hear that story sometime anyway anytime <laughs> um are you like robin in that like you're you might not be saying anything but your face is saying everything correct <laughs> i was enough. told i needed to learn how to control my facial expressions so as not to convey disagreement with the speakers that would be a good way to get punched. Anyway, <laughs> um, I can convey it with my hands. Would you prefer that? Anyway. Would that work uh, better for you? <laughs> uh, you know, I know some gestures that might might work for this. Mm. Anyway, um, so uh, back to the dead people. There's a lot of dead people in this manner. There were um, several. And there is an investigation going on, and Clid is the investigator in charge of it. Um, there's the investigators, and there are the police crew that's kind of helping her along with it, but she's really the one in charge. Um, yes. Chapman is there as well, and then eventually her husband shows up, and they all kind of go through this murder, looking for clues and trying to piece together what exactly happened here. Um, and they do eventually come up to a conclusion that this family was murdered by a group of rebels that have been doing a lot of killings lately, yep. um, for, for various reasons that aren't terribly important to the overall story. Basically but, what's important to the overall story is there's God mm-hmm. and God's minions, and there's rebels who are still... Trying to trying fight to them somehow, yeah, wreak havoc, yeah, in the order of God's universe, right? Um, like rebels do, exactly. Um, and rebels so, do what rebels do, <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, and so you've got those those that whole thing going on. Um, and at the end of it, you know, y- what they do is they realize, okay, they've been barred out of the um, basement, and they've heard sounds down there. Or at least they've been reported there's been sounds down there. So they head down there, part is great. and they are looking around in this very dark uh, basement, and a monster jumps out and tries to eat them. Yep. Um, which it, this is a fantasy style book, so like 
that might not be uh, unexpected to us, but apparently in their world, it is really, really weird, which I think is an interesting detail. I thought um, that was a good twist. Yeah. Cause all, and they, they made mention of the fact that all the demons had been killed. Exactly. So this was not something that couldn't happen right. in They're, their world. These are not monster hunting investigators. But, but they are not looking for monsters. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they, they managed to kill it, but uh, in the process, Clid is kind of hit by a bunch of the blood and it's really gross and scary and so she goes back to make a report while they kind of finish up at the crime scene um she makes her report mostly to take a shower yeah which is understandable because like this thing was somehow pressurized and got gallons of blood on her uh it wasn't blood viscous it was substance that was like blood but is not blood it was this creature's blood but it was definitely not like oh red sticky stuff no no it was way worse than mm-hmm. red, brown, sticky stuff. <laughs> also, I'll probably skip over this de- detail later because it's not terribly important. But like, she swallows some now, and then later when she throws up at a different point, there's stuff wriggling around in her in her throw up. So like, uh, I don't think she was gonna live no matter what happened. Anyway, I know I, mm, that will get us into other issues that I have with the story. Continue. Right. So. Um, she goes back, makes her report. She and Chapman kind of start to discuss things, and she puts together that Chapman has a contact with the rebels for some of the information that he has yes. access to. So she and her husband go to talk to him about this. Eventually, Chapman starts a fight with Samuel to get him to go away, yep. um, to get essentially Clid to make him go away. And then he basically kidnaps Clid. Like, there's more to it than that, but basically Very that's the important so. part of it. He, yeah. he knocks her out, Clid, uh, kidnaps her, and takes her back to her place and is like, all right, look, I'm going to go storm this facility um, by myself if necessary because I believe it needs to be done. But if you are willing to help me based on our friendship and this limited amount of information, bring all of the cavalry, like everyone that you can get to come. And Clid decides to do that. Uh, yep. for, Even though it could definitely be a trap right. to and just she get them that all killed by the rebels. Like she's not she's not making this decision of like, oh, to save my friend no. no like she's it's the it's a calculated okay based on the information we have my gut tells me to do this yep um and it is the wrong move but we'll get there they mm. storm the place uh they kill all the bad guys in there and they find chapman who has been tortured horribly um yeah. and is being injected with daniel's stu- talent for gore yeah um it's it's we'll get there i'll, I'll we'll talk about that Ugh. um but uh, they they get there, they knock out every or kill everyone essentially, um, find Chapman, and then as soon as they are like putting together what's gone on here and the the horrible experiments they've been doing on people, this chosen person shows up. Yep. And just starts killing them all. And just wipes them all out. Yeah. She he all of them. She I guess uh, the chosen murders Samuel. Um, and Clid very easily. To, like Samuel yeah. didn't have a chance. It was really kind of pathetic yeah he it was very we'll get there anyway the chosen kills samuel um chapman comes back as a monster briefly to fight it uh and is that completely unsuccessful but allows clid to escape right clid escapes and f- smashes Run her way essentially rabbits. into a uh into a yeah into a brothel uh the brothel Love people that part <laughs> yeah that was funny that was that was a good that was a good scene um, okay, the mother was a character that was worth mentioning. Yeah, yeah, she was pretty great. She was. We'll we'll, we'll talk about her. I'm sure. Brief but great. Uh, um, but the the brothel people help her escape. She gets back to her um her precinct, tells the commanding officer what happened, and he says, "All right, we're gonna get you out of town. We're gonna get you to safety. You're gonna, I guess, join the Brit Rebellion. I don't know. I'm not gonna ask questions. That I'll I'll use my connections to make sure I don't get murdered for all this. Oh shit, the chosen is here." He murdered everyone the is murders, dead. The chosen murders everyone, uh, which to my mind includes Clid, although it is not specific, and she is clearly being taken to be turned into one I of those monsters. I am convinced that Clid survives this incident because the chosen Sur- says we need more servants, uh, specimens. Spe- we no. need more experiment fodder. Essentially, essentially, yeah. It, um, but it was it was something more disturbing than that. Yeah, it I wasn't mean, victim. Ex- anyway, anyway, yeah, they're gonna do terrible things. To her. They're gonna turn her into a monster. Yeah, um, which to me equals death in every way that really matters as a sure. character. Um, if she comes back and is not that in a different story, that's that's fine. But uh, I I am considering her essentially dead, and maybe will show up as a cameo character. I decided that this was actually Clid's intro into the rebellion, paralyzed from the neck down, and like yeah, with a, with a grudge that could be interesting. Yeah, now she's gonna be in the rebellion. 
<laughs> we'll, we'll see that, that chosen happens. was not actually a chosen that i cannot buy. that yeah, i would not mm-hmm. buy <laughs> no but anyway after this we cut to a character who is basically writing the news i think mm-hmm. for um the uh the government that exists in this world um and he is aware that he is telling lies because his brother was one of the people at that um brothel one of the the prostitutes there and um they uh he has told him like all the stuff that happens and then this report that he's gotten says his brother died in the fire that happened before, before he... Before the report that his brother had given yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so um, he resolves that he's going to expose it all and then immediately crumbles and is like, no, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm just going to write this I'll as I I'll just be should. dead too. Exactly. So and that's where we end. So a uh, hyper bleak story. Um, Was let's... it though? Did you have any investment? Were you sad about any of the characters? Was it actually bleak? Let's go back to the beginning. <laughs> I I think that this is a very strong opening for a story. Um, I think there's a lot of good characterization in this I- initial investigation of the manner. The, the level of detail is really solid. And what I like about that level of detail is that the characters give us that and then give us their interpretation of that detail. And it, it makes sense. It doesn't feel like it is going in that direction for the sake of, like, the story needs us to find this information out. It right. feels like the details that would be there that they would put together. Yeah. And it does an excellent job of painting a picture of both Clid and Chapman. I wish it did a better job with Samuel. It really doesn't. Um, I feel like of the three main characters, he is the least well served by the story. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't get enough to really give us enough layers to his character, and I wish that it did because I think that would help things a lot more. Right. Um, but unfortunately, he doesn't even get a view into his head like Clyde and Chapman, and he is dead before he can really show us much of who he is. I mean, he honestly was not much more than like. Uh, He's set dressing for Clyde. I was going to say, yeah, like he he's just there to be an object for Clid. Right. Like and that was one of the things that bothers me about the story, but also about Clid in general is she really emphasized like Samuel for herself, but like she's always the main actor on him mm. and he's never like even when he stands up to her and is like, "Oh, I just can't let you do this because you could be killed and they have their fight or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that. to be fair, they're, like, they're, it's more joking than that. Like, they're joking about being bulletproof and that kind of thing. I, yeah. It's not just straight melodrama. They're, it's, it's, yeah. it's better than just like, oh, my love, you cannot go. I don't know. I, it kind of felt like me. that in a couple of scenes. There are a couple of scenes where it gets a little into that, but... Even I in feel... the first scene in the shed mm-hmm. where, like... She's like already fantasizing about Sam and like we haven't even met the guy and his chicken murders yet. <laughs> like <laughs> chicken kidnappings. We don't know if they were murdered. Oh, I thought they were murdered. <laughs> they were stolen. Seven disappeared chickens. I think it was thirty. I'm oh. pretty sure it was thirty, which was the impressive part. Regardless, it was a lot of chickens and they were gone. I really want to get another short story that's from the perspective of the guy that was left behind there. Of Samuel (laughs) leaving behind the guy with the chickens. And unlike this story, it's just it's a it's a straight up comedy. Like the entire And then he gets home to District what District Seven, right? I think so, yeah. And it's on fire. And there is no District Seven. (laughs) Everyone is dead. He's the top dog now. He is completely in charge. He has been promoted to inspector. That'd be amazing. Love it. Oh, that'd be such a Daniel, good story. Daniel, if you're listening, do that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I I can I can more or less agree. I think that the biggest problem with this, and it's something I'll come back to again and again, is that it's a novella. Mm. Um, and novella as a storytelling device does not give you a lot of time in any way. So you have to be super right. sharp with everything that you're doing. And this book is clearly done by someone who is not super deep into their craft yet. Yeah. I think that there are, I think that it shows a lot of promise in a lot of ways. Absolutely. But it's also clear that like a lot of this talent still needs to be developed. The talent's there, but you know, it's, it's it's a first story. Rough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like, and to just go ahead and get into description, like in terms of feeling like I could see the world around me, Mm -hmm. I feel like that was amazing. Yeah. Like, uh, in I terms of I need of every to s- location every character yeah yeah in terms of I need to skip to the next part because this is just a little bit too much gore for me and I can imagine it a little too well right like yeah did really well yeah like but in terms of story 
like and investing you in the characters yes yeah there was still a disconnect for me Mm -hmm. as i was reading it i was like wow this is really pretty why do i care right over and over and that's that's where i continue to have issues with this novella yeah like not saying that it couldn't be fixed Mm -hmm. i don't know that the novella needs to be fixed um but the the writing in general has the the possibility it's just not there yet I, we'll we'll talk about this probably more when we get into final thoughts because we're but we're nowhere near quite that yet. But what I'll say is that I feel like this is incomplete. To me, this entire thing feels like an extended prologue. Um, yeah. If you've ever read uh, George R. R. Martin's um, Game of Thrones books, um, he I think for all of those opens it up with a fairly long prologue that the character whose perspective you are in by the end of that will always die, and I think he ends <laughs> the books the same way. Um, wow! Yeah, I did not know. This. I, I don't know if it's that if that's the case, but I know that like s- at least several of them. The, yeah, you're you're starting in a character's perspective, and they die by the end of that. that yeah, and that's the prologue. Um, and to me, that's a lot like what this feels like because the the biggest issue I feel like with this to me is it's partly that I didn't have that um, uh, uh, attachment necessarily to the characters. But the bigger issue is I feel like this is trying to do too much heavy lifting in terms of setting up this world and trying to give you looks into pieces of it that will matter later when you get these other stories that I'm sure will connect to this. But for now, because I only have this story, there's not enough there for me to really care about the world enough which is what I think it's aiming at. Right. And because of that, it doesn't serve the characters strongly enough. Right. For me, this felt like um, three hours of trying to do too much. So I listened to it. It may have been different if I had read it on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were there were a number of stories actually that were happening. Yeah. And it felt like instead of actually doing the hard work of finishing a story, finishing the investigation at the mm-hmm. manor, um, actually building up to the investigation of the Chapman and like the reveal that he's yes a, a, Chapman's reveal the rebellion, mm-hmm. um, building up to storming the the castle right like right building up the characters that will be yeah, slaughtered later like, in the precinct all that all of that every single time every single time was resolved with like a single turn of phrase or one slip of paper or oh we're just gonna magically it's just gonna perfectly wrap up just right. like this annoying. Um, and, I, and I think that's, that could be a feature of just the novella in general yeah. is if you have a short story, sometimes you just have to tell. Yeah. But like, for instance, finding the paper with the little note on it in, in the facility on somebody's body, they find this note in his pocket that gives them the next detail of what is actually going on. And I was like, really? We didn't even need that. Why did you do that? And you're not even remembering this. Nope, I'm not. <laughs> You've listened to this twice. Twice, and once was that was uh, that part was today. Um, to be fair, though, I was doing that on on double speed at that second oh, okay. time. So, okay. So um, that was more to just refresh so myself over the entire. Thing. Essentially, but they like, clit sh- clit shoot somebody. Yeah. Instead of leaving somebody to talk, which yeah. was kind of out and out of character move for her, and then I wouldn't call it out of character. I feel like it it made it made she, sense to me. She felt like it was. That she she was going to get consequences for it, based on the way it was written. Like I, she I was going to have to justify it. I think she was going to have to justify it. But to me, it was emphasis. Like I think that he very much wants to go for gray characters with this, and to me, that was putting more grayness into her character Maybe. than um, showing that it was going to have consequences. It's more to show that it would not have consequences, and she was going to do it because of that. Yeah. Um, because she could get away with it essentially. But anyway, like they search his body and there's like a slip of paper that explains the experiments essentially that have been Mm. done and it like literally references Chapman and is like the inspector is taking to this nicely or whatever and the implication is that the Russian accented lady um the doctor right um we make them beautiful jeez creepy yeah um it had given him that note and he was supposed to be passing it on to god or whoever right um but like we didn't need that they were gonna find chapman because they were already getting shot at right like and they were gonna find chapman loaded up with black dye Mm -hmm. so like that to me was obnoxious sure and it happened over and over in this story where they would get this like 
it wasn't even a clue. It was right. like, it here just... is blatant information. Right. Could walked off the last investigation of her See, life. I didn't I mind hated those. that. I didn't mind those nearly as much as you did. Cause... Sam and Clyde shared their last kiss. I was like, oh, cool. So they're both going to be dead. I don't care anymore about this story. Goodbye. For like, me, over and over. <laughs> You're the one who, who likes characters to die at the end. I, I don't yes, that. and I, I don't want you to tell me they're going to die. I want you to slay my soul at the end. <laughs> I See, want I to feel want bad about <laughs> I, it. I feel better about. I can. I can. I can get more interested because it's not doing that essentially. But that may just be difference of that. For, to me, because this was a short, and up until the very end, I was taking this as I am. I was taking those moments because they don't clarify that Clid will specifically die. Right. Those moments to me where it was like, all right, the last X of her life happened here. Um, I was taking those as I'm cutting out the pieces of her current life and that's what the point of this story is going to be essentially as an origin story for Clid the rebellion person sure and that would have been an interesting uh, story to me because it would have had a, a purpose to it I would have understood okay this character is going to come back later she might yeah. be a major character she might not be but I get what you're doing with the entire thing um, because this story goes where it does I don't feel that way right um, so for me they were just all really unnecessary and to to me it was it was immature writing because i should have already known when she walked off that manor that it was the last see i don't the agree last, with that the last the last investigation I, of her life I, I should have already felt like even if it wasn't their last kiss that it was her and sam's last kiss he didn't need to tell me that see, that because me i should sounds, already have felt like that that like, sounds to me like going for melodrama by by letting the it scenes, was super melodramatic by letting, by letting to me it wasn't i didn't i didn't mm. feel that way Mm-hmm. To to me, those scenes were, they were normal, ordinary life scenes that mm-hmm. had a heavy stinger at the end of like, all right, this thing is, is not what she this is expecting at was all. was her best so, job, and now, no, no. I agree. No, that's not what happened. No. <laughs> anyway, I think we've talked enough about the manor. I, I think that to me, the most interesting section of this book is the middle section where she and Chapman are kind of feeling each other out because she has suspicions that he is part of that he is holding things back from them and yeah. is somehow connected to the rebellion and he is trying to maneuver her into a position where he can enact sort of his plan at the end. Chapman is so dang smart. The one thing we didn't mention about the manor and again like there were just so many unresolved things mm-hmm. with the manor that is part of why I feel like this story was too many stories put together mm-hmm. but like why did the husband take a bite out of the wife's face? Like, was he involved with right. the rebellion or was he involved with God or was it just a monster? Was it thing? just a monster thing? Like, how did he end up in the basement? There were just so many things there because the teeth match mm-hmm. and the wife has a bite out of her face or yeah. her shoulder or something. something. Yeah. Like maybe multiple bites. Anyway, gross. But like that was never resolved it was never justified it like and to I, me that tell that says that one they didn't murder him no like they, they i don't so, think so i think they did the worst thing to him which is make sure him this, this thing while he's alive for that sh- seems to be what's going on with Chapman. for sure but like did they do that to him because he was one of them and he was getting ready to sell them out no or and that's that's revealed at the end of what it was is he was so the he had the potential to get new, super wealthy, right? And he was without he was the mo- government, exactly. And he was not uh, essentially paying his dues to the government. He was going to do this thing that and still doesn't explain why he bit his wife's face off. I, I don't need that explained. That to me is is that could that is either to me. I just assumed that he turned into a monster and did that. Mm. Like I I didn't necessarily need a further explanation from from that point on. Maybe. Um, but um, I just feel like the dismemberment was so was treated as if it was so intentional, especially again with the eye, the eye that that like, I will say is the investigation doesn't go to enough of an important place because there the, was such intentional intentionality in the descriptions of the dismemberment and why it was important and how it must have been the rebellion right. and how it must have been a message for the inspectors and all of that. And then that didn't go anywhere. Right. Right. Like was really frustrating mm-hmm. because again because we just, it turns out it's we just not, kill lord of the manor right because it turns out it's not actually them yeah so who's the message for or is it like, just to i mean it could just be that it, this this chosen dude is or chick i guess this chosen thing <laughs> is a fucking monster 
That and is definitely true. It could just be that it was getting its shits and giggles out of that whole thing. Like that, Maybe. I could I could go with that. But I do need to find out what the answer is if you're going to give me this much. Um, also, we never found out who broke into the shed and yeah. then broke back out. Yeah. Like, like who was the escapee? And I don't like, I don't necessarily need those details resolved because it's an investigation, and I'm very much willing to. I don't necessarily need those details fleshed out. Or to 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 resolve completely because it's an investigation. And to me, if you're looking at an investigation, I'm okay with them uh, not having every detail come back perfectly and sure. encapsulated. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of times, de- like at an investigation, you're just going to be trying to put together a p- a puzzle enough that you can point the finger at someone. And you'll focus on the wrong details right. at the beginning, and you'll hone in. But I do. They need didn't the, do that. I do need the larger point of the investigation to come to a more distinct point than it does because I get that the the chosen actually did all this but I don't really get enough of the the why of that and the specifics right. of why this specific act would be done to these people and who that message was for and and right. maybe that will be revealed in some later thing that Daniel does and that's possible that that's going again to be... the issue with a novella exactly um, but yeah, so, so I don't necessarily need all that. What I do need is for this to matter more. And I feel like that's even more true of Chapman and his, his plot with the rebellion. Yeah. Because that seems to be sure. the central conflict of this thing. The big of, turning point. Yeah. It's, it's Chapman trying to draw Clid into a position where I, I like that. Okay. So in a, in a normal story where you've got a rebellion and there's the clearly evil empire. Right. And you've got someone who is working for the clearly evil empire who doesn't see it as evil yet, but pretty obviously will the the way that this would play out is the friend who is actually in the rebellion would like coax them into it and reveal to them the the horrors of it chapman doesn't do that chapman is just like nah i'm gonna put you in a position where you are forced into the rebellion against your will and i think also i'm gonna knock you unconscious like yeah. beat you over the head yeah I mean that part I'm I, I would buy from just about any fictional friendship. Well, <laughs> there's, there's a that. lot of punching between friends in fiction, or maybe I just watch too much anime. Um, <laughs> but uh, like I I need that to be the case, which is why I would have accepted this story a lot more if it had been the origin story of Clid in the Rebellion. Yeah. Um, but because yeah. it is very much not that story, at least in my mind, it is. This all feels much more pointless. And we don't really get a good look at the rebellion because all we know is that Chapman was part of it. And even that is not incredibly clear, despite being yeah, in his head. Like, right. He was part of the rebellion, but he was playing both sides mm-hmm. and And he clearly it's not still even... believed in, in their their holy god thing. Yeah. Which is questionable and... because he's the reason things suck, presumably because he lets things like this chosen monster exist. And he was like Chapman was open about the fact that you know, I've been part of the rebellion and I still don't know who's, you know, in the rebellion right. in our ranks and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Like, so. <sighs> what exactly was he trying to accomplish? Part here? of his position in the rebellion seemed suspect. Yeah. I'll put it that way. It it just, it's not clear by the end what his real goal was and not necessarily in a interesting, I'm not sure what this character was really trying what to do. What could he have been up to? In more of a like what the fuck was this about type of way? <laughs> Why I mean, did I, I read felt the this? same way about him collecting the vial of the weird blood, right? Like yeah. nothing was ever done with that. Yeah, yeah. He didn't go off and take it to a lab and figure out, like, right. he just stuck it in his pocket and was like, wink, don't tell anybody that I have this, okay? Yeah. Bye. And I like, think if this was... I think maybe I th- he said, oh, it wasn't the rebellion that did this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe? I mean, I think he did say that and the implication is it was actually the chosen thing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, um... I think what it is is again we're coming back to this this is if this was a full novel and there were all these little details that could lead other places sure. but we have to focus on the larger story sure I could go along with that kind of thing um but because it's so small and it feels like it is trying to point to those larger things it's frustrating it is um yeah sto- because it it just I repeatedly kept asking myself but why does this matter right because I didn't have the and I couldn't really identify what triggered that in me Mm-hmm. But I do think it's it's that that like I kept expecting these things to deliver mm-hmm. and then we would switch scenes right. and it would just be resolved. There was there wasn't the same ratcheting up of tension that I would expect for each character to develop. I think it's the disconnect between the, the what I see as the three acts mm-hmm. um, because they don't while they lead to each other. It's not an escalation. They it's, they lead to each other, but they're not necessary. So the, it's not an and it's more of an and then situation rather than 
a and so right situation so, like, like the 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 mansion scene it makes sense that it leads to her discovering that chapman is a rebel uh, rebel but it that doesn't give us a sense that like she's getting closer to becoming a rebel herself right it's just that she's finding that out and then chapman's thing forces her into a situation where she would become a rebel and that makes sense but it's not a organic choice that she makes so it's not an escalation it's that's right. the only option she has yeah and it feels very external to her. And so she doesn't ever feel like she has any stakes in becoming a rebel. Right. Until Sam dies. Right. Right at the very end. And then like, immediately after that, wham, she's dead. Right. Ish, and that, it doesn't matter. For all intents and purposes. Right. Like, she loses. Everything's over. Right. And so it doesn't feel like it is leading somewhere except to yeah. read this other book in this world that's pretty interesting, to be fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit about the um, the raid. Yeah, and Act that's three. Most of what we need. Well, no, there is a little section at the. We need to talk about the resolution stuff. But I, I feel like that's part of the raid, though. Right. Like they raid, and then the the raid leads to the resolution. As an action scene, I really enjoyed this. I think that it was a cool setup of like you know anytime things are going too well for the good guys something really bad is about to happen yeah and this raid kind of goes off without a hitch i um, that was one of my i remember texting you and being like oh look everything worked out again <laughs> not for long i just kept feeling like oh this finally there's going to be something bad happen nope they 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 beat it oh nope like and then, and, and then finally at the end everyone dies and I was like oh okay <laughs> yeah I was gonna say like everything things did go really bad <laughs> things went really bad but like okay example the the monster in the basement mm -hmm. they could have lost one of you know shits yeah they could have lost Schmitz and lost Samuel there honestly they could have lost Samuel there and Although that would have that would really, have changed things a lot it it would have but they could have lost Schmitz who sure. ends up being a, a helper in the raid yeah and like that would have added stakes because now this monster has killed one of our own you know like yeah. there could have been bad things that resulted every time there was a bad thing they managed to like get out of it, it until the very feel, end it would have made it feel personal yes like she had a stake against the people there rather than she it was personal be, simply because chapman was leading them there right um that that could be true i could i could kind of go along with that I, Just I, in general, when bad things are happening, everybody doesn't get to come out with the same amount of clean, right? Sure. Like, well, it's Clint did and not come out of that clean. Cl all Clint <laughs> got was, you know, some goop in her mouth and covered in gross. It may have been going to kill her, probably, but she wasn't going to live long enough to find out. So <laughs> it's fine. Been interesting. She goes. She actually does make it to the rebellion and then infects all of them with the monster oh. juice. That'd be gross. That'd be delightful. Great story there. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I, I like this scene overall, though. Yeah. Um, my biggest problem is that Chapman was the most interesting person in this story, mm. and he doesn't even get a chance to talk. Like, it, I know. I needed something, like, there some was... last message from him that I would, know. like, you should, I was wrong, you shouldn't have come. Some, something like, that could have... get out of here. Anything. Like... Um, but instead, we get a scene of his, his horribly mutilated body, which is, oh, yikes. Real bad. Yeah, it's real, real bad. bad. Um... But, and that Clid can't kill him, which was surprising to me. I, I figured I, that she would be able to. Yeah, um, I was kind of surprised by that. Yeah. Um, but at the end, and <laughs> it might have been more interesting if Samuel was in there and Sam was like, no, I'm going to kill him. I was surprised and disappointed mm -hmm. that Chapman came back as a good guy instead of her not killing him, resulting in him already being a monster and causing them harm. Like if if Chapman had killed Samuel instead of the Chosen, that would have been really interesting. That might have worked. I I think that he, if he came back as a a like completely wild thing, that might work because you do still need him to stop the Chosen from yeah. eating Clid. Yeah. Um. Because the the thing that I have gotten, but that so would give her good ambivalence, right? He comes in as this completely wild monster. He kills Sam. He kills other people. But then he also saves her from the Chosen, and she gets to escape. Like, yeah, but that also does remove the possibility that she could do something later on as one of these monsters, because then all of his personality would be gone. There, it, I can again, see, I can see where I, you're coming. I'm just from. saying, yeah. she did not, she did not receive any negative consequences for not killing him. To That's, me, yeah, and. What? That was the wrong move to me. 
because we had already seen that the lord of the manor had gone feral. Mm-hmm. He had bitten his wife, sure. so that we had we had a clue that these <laughs> maybe monsters. He, maybe he already he always wanted to do that. Maybe that was his thing. <laughs> yeah, um, he was really just feeling amorous, and it ended in her death. It's yeah. fine. Um, <laughs> But like we ha- that would be more, that would have been more interesting if we had found out that it wasn't actually the rebels that did it. It was just they infected the Lord with this stuff, and that was what he did. Yeah. Afterward, and he killed everybody. Yeah. Like that would be fascinating. That, but but we had evidence that this monstering thing. Yeah. Causes people to lose their sense of self. Right. And then somehow Chapman didn't completely lose his sense of self, but he lost all of his ability to talk. Like I mean. I'm willing to go along with that as a, like, this is early in his monsterfication. Like, right. that's, that's usually a trope with that. You know, if you get sure. into it early enough, you can kind of control it a little bit. I guess. But I, I do see where you're coming from. Of In that, to me, the biggest problem with this is it is a big wham ending. And if the story ended right here, it wouldn't really affect much. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't change much for me. We just wouldn't get the hope of Clid becoming a rebel dangled in front of us before she is then suddenly Before she's then taken. definitely not becoming a rebel. Yeah. And and so to me, although I like a lot of what comes after this moment with the Chosen, it just it feels a little pointless. Yeah. Um, it feels like salt in the wound when, like, I don't appreciate the wound, if that makes the, sense from a... The like, wound re- was, was meaningless to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have a we- meaningless m- wound, and now you are pouring alcohol on it, <laughs> and not even to disinfect it, just to be a dick. Just to be a dick. <laughs> yeah, lemon juice. You're just squeezing lemon juice on it. Right, right. Um, but that said, I do really like this scene in the brothel because that's not where I, I would love expect this the to brothel go. scene. Yeah, it's like <laughs> my favorite scene in this book. <laughs> what was it they said about the dude's reaction? It was a, a impressive. One. It was a specific word that I was not expecting there because they also called him voluptuous. Voluptuous. And I, don't, I know. <laughs> don't like, expect that from. I her. was. I actually like. <laughs> <laughs> I had to look up that word to be like, okay, what is the specific meaning of this I word? I looked it up to be sure to to uh, assure myself that you could actually apply it to a man because mm-hmm. I was pretty sure that you could not. <laughs> Technically, you can. Yeah. You probably I, shouldn't, I but just you can. Al- I just always like because it, it just means shapely, essentially. But, but I yeah, always, I, I always assumed it meant big boobs, which is shapely. That right. to be fair, right? But <laughs> I think of it as like voluptuous as like lots of curves yeah like hourglass figure type hourglass thing. figure rubens paintings yeah for those of you that like art his women are always voluptuous right like that's what i think of anyway like <laughs> not a dude I, <laughs> with a gigantic with, erection I, some, like the word was like astounding astonishing or that, astonishing something or like, that. Yeah. like like <laughs> it was some, just funny Really, and, and I needed random that humor word for his a, erection. Yeah, and I needed that that bit of just weird comic humor in a book that had largely been not necessarily badly sour, but sour and kind of bitter. Yeah, yeah, um, dark. Like, and Chapman was kind of a funny asshole, but he was still a funny asshole, right? So that still adds on to the to right. the not just pure comedy of it, which I feel like just hey, let's talk about this erection for a second. Voluptuous <laughs> prostitute. With, with an, an astounding, astounding erection. erection. <laughs> that should have been my opening. I'm Rick and I'm. <laughs> <laughs> that can be your closing. There you go. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, but I also appreciated this scene, like the the scene in the brothel. One, like you get more insight into the world. Like mm-hmm. prostitution has been legalized mm-hmm. and is a um, booming business. Yeah. Like a well-respected uh, business. Right. Like the the madam essentially has political power because yeah. you don't want to piss off the, the people that actually like to visit the, the brothel. Exactly. And I like that. That's, that is a cool detail that I have not seen used that way before. Same. I, I really liked that. But I also liked that they, that um, he used that scene to kind of pivot in again, that, that law and order concept where even though, her profession is legalized, yeah. even though she's serving some of the highest people in the land. She knows what it looks like to not live that life. Yeah. And so she recognizes that if an inspector comes in looking like the devil is after her. Yeah. Probably need they to need to, to drop out. all of their shit and run. <laughs> yeah. Like I was surprised there weren't any like upset lords that were there like, no, I need my time with my voluptuous, voluptuous. <laughs> young men. Right. Um, I think he was the most disappointed. Right. <laughs> he was high on something and voluptuous. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was having a good night. Not later, though. Oh. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, they get out. 
the, they're expecting to be murdered any moment, but their plan does seem to be successful. Yeah. And she gets to explain everything to her like super cool commander dude. And then it turns out, nope, everyone's dead. I do appreciate that super cool commander dies trying. Yeah. Like I, that adds he goes more to out his... as a commander. Yeah. Like he knew he was going to die. He, he knew he was going to die instantly, mm-hmm. but you better believe he was going to shoot that he, last bullet. He got that last shot in. And I, I, I appreciate that. that. Yeah. That, that really did add a little bit of extra, like, you know what it is? It's she is he is careful to give all of his characters like this feeling that they are main characters and that they feel almost larger than life, but not totally mm-hmm. out of the realm. And this because this guy gets this line of like she'd known he was really amazing in his youth and he didn't disappoint her now. Yeah, that gives it this feeling of desperation of these people are not being stupid. They're not being they're not unskilled. They're just going up against something something you impossible can't beat. to beat. Yeah, it is just utterly implacable and undefeatable. Um, and I, f- I think that that tone really worked well and came through. Yeah. Um, even though I'm very annoyed by this ending. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, then Clid gets the shit kicked out of her and she's clearly taken away to be an experiment. So and everything is over. And then everything is sad. And and the truth is hidden. Yeah. And that's how we realize that the Empire is bad. Right. As if we had any doubts. It's interesting. Actually, I did have some doubts. I'm curious to see where it will go because the fact, like, like Chapman still having seeming faith in this almighty thing, is yeah. interesting, or at least I'm curious about it. Um, this is not the first thing I've read of of Daniel Green's, by the way. The I've also read a short story that he put on his Patreon um, that it explores a kind of different thing. Um, it same also world. Has, same world has it involves one of the chosen as well, but um, it's a different thing, and it's actually referenced in in this story. I'm pretty sure. Oh, cool. Uh, it's like a very quick line that it's you know if you don't know what you're looking for, you wouldn't yeah. catch it. But I, I I appreciated that, and it made it feel more interconnected to me. But I am curious to see where he will go in the future with this story, even though, unless he does something that really brings it back to this specifically, I doubt I will ever read this again. Um, yeah. And we can kind of get into to our final thoughts here. Um, yeah, since you brought up that you probably wouldn't read it again, I should say that my final one of my final thoughts is I haven't read it for like a week and a half, two weeks, and so I knew that I was going to be a little bit rusty on some of the details because... It wasn't a super fascinating story to me. Mm-hmm. And I texted Rick today and I was like, I can't bring myself to listen to it again. <laughs> I had the time. Mm-hmm. I ha- I actually drove to. into the office today. So I like had a commute that I could have listened to it on double speed. It would have, I could have gotten through almost all of it, mm-hmm. in fact. And I did not because I was just like, I just, I already did it once. <laughs> I just, I can't do it again. Um, and that's not because it's terrible. It's just, to me, it did not resonate it didn't with do me. It for you. Yeah, it just didn't. Um, so, that being said, again, it's not all bad. Um, it feels, it feels immature uh, from a writing perspective, from a storytelling perspective. It doesn't feel immature from a writing perspective. Yeah, like he, he doesn't Overall, approach this in a like immature way. It's not like, look at this cool blood and gore. No, no. Like from a writing perspective, from a prose perspective, like um, I didn't have any trouble following conversations and making, knowing who was talking and having, um, understanding the descriptions. It and, feels like a solid first attempt at something professional. Yeah. There yeah. were, you know, some uses of weird vocabulary that felt vaguely homeschooled, but <laughs> I was like, oh, I would have used this word. In, <laughs> yeah, I would have used this word. And then and then my friends would be like, please take this out. <laughs> Don't do that. And then that's I would have told them, no. <laughs> that's what Rick is for. <laughs> to tell me, you can't use the word voluptuous here, but Rick, I want to. Oh, no. But no, I Rick, been like, Daniel did. <laughs> this word was perfect. Please use voluptuous in the wrong context more because it was awesome. Every time. <laughs> um, so, like, yeah, like, it's it's definitely not... I, I've read some really terrible prose that, like, even though the storytelling was decent, like, it was just too hard to follow and mm-hmm. too immature. That's not this at all. This yeah. is very professional in terms of prose. Um, it's just that the story, in particular, how how characters make choices that then result in consequences that they cannot evade, yeah, needs work. Yeah, um, it needs work in this story. It probably is just learning to write thing. Yeah, like it's it's something that I struggle with <laughs> as a writer, which is why I could spot it. If yeah. you if you spot it, you got it. Um, <laughs> like, and so that 
that was kind of my big issue with it is I just kept asking myself, but why does this matter? Because it's it's pretty and well written in terms of of the like words on the page. Um, but I just felt like, OK, nice scene. How does it connect? Where does right. it go? What and does that- it mean? How do, why does it matter? How does it affect this character? Part of that is just my hypercritical writer brain. Right, right. That's to me the largest thing is that like it just didn't feel like it mattered. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I'll get into that more in my final thoughts though. And yeah. I will probably cut this little thing where I, I completely figured. derailed you for no reason. At all. Fine. <laughs> um. So, I guess I I can just get into my my favorite and least favorite parts. Um. I've kind of explained my least favorite part. My least favorite part is I did not feel connected with this story. Mm-hmm. I kept wondering why some very specific details mm-hmm. were given to me and then not delivered on. I kept wondering why characters would do things and then them doing that thing didn't actually change their direction or yeah. change them or change another character's mind. Like it just felt aimless in mm-hmm. many places there are places where it felt aimless yeah um and so that was my least favorite thing about this story is there was a lot of potential there and i kept being like but if i stopped listening to this now would i ever pick it back up no yeah i wouldn't yeah um so i kind of had to listen to it straight through so that i would be ready to podcast um but my favorite thing my favorite thing is probably the brothel scene <laughs> i I love what it says about the world that they live in. Mm-hmm. I love the mother. I love the voluptuous man and his astounding erection. <laughs> I love that they just steal all the rich people's coats that are in Lost and Found and mm-hmm. are like, scatter <laughs> to the winds. Yeah. Like, I, I even, like, in their deaths, in mm-hmm. the death of the mother and, like, how each person is killed immediately and precisely yeah i like what that shows about that particular chosen yeah um and that chosen's method i will say i think it implies that that chosen may not have been the murderer at the manor it's possible because her method did not match the method at the manor yeah anyway different issue also where was that eye Did you see the chosen like pop an eyeball into her mouth oh, at the very end that, or something? That should, like that would have been good. I needed I was that eyeball. For a snack. Ow. <laughs> like, I needed the eyeball. It's, it should have been some kind of vision point, right? Like mm. you steal an eyeball, you put it somewhere where people will see. Right, right, right. Whatever. <laughs> the, the metaphor is lost on this book. <laughs> Read more poetry. The metaphor is lost. But like I loved I loved that scene. Um and I I would have been pretty excited if if Clid had made it out into the rebellion mm-hmm. and you know had this chosen tracking her and lots of people died in her wake but she still always managed to somehow get, get one step ahead. Get one step ahead. Always the rabbit ahead of the the wolf. Yeah. Like yeah. um and maybe she will. Who knows? We could just both be wrong and she actually somehow gets superpowers out of this. Maybe. Definitely got her neck snapped because she stopped feeling pain. Yeah. So. At least there's that question mark. I guess. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I I liked that part. And I, I did enjoy. <clears throat> I did enjoy the world building in terms of like being able to see things and imagine things and um, imagine the characters faces and bodies. And like, I felt like that was really good. Yeah. I really enjoyed that part. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are probably my favorite things. Overall rating, I'm still only going to give it like one and a half, two vials of black maggot inducing blood. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I wouldn't I read it again. That. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't say don't read it, but I wouldn't read it again. That's fair, I think. Would but would like it sounded like you said that you might, but would you read something else that this guy wrote though? It would depend on how long it was. Hmm. If it was like the length of something Christopher Rocchio wrote, right? Probably not. Fair. Probably not. Um, and and that is partially, I think, because I found um, the way. He wrote primarily from a first-person woman's perspective, mm-hmm. and I did not identify with her mm-hmm. in a way that would be comfortable to be in another one of his women's heads. Fair. Like, if if the book was from Chapman's perspective, I probably would have enjoyed it better. 
That's fair. Like I'm still kind of impressed that he did that though. Like that's that's a I think it was gutsy. Yeah. I think it was gutsy. I don't think it was completely unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Um it just didn't again, it didn't it it didn't hit for you. Just didn't land for me. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. There's there's still some clearly male gaze stuff that just felt so not how at least I as a woman think Mm -hmm. that I was like, "Mm, this is uncomfortable. I just feel like I'm wearing somebody else's skin and it is not okay. That's that's not unreasonable. I mean, I I didn't feel that I myself, feel but that I don't way sometimes I reading don't... books that are in the male perspective yeah. though. So what I was going to say is I I didn't necessarily feel that way, but also I'm not a girl. So like right. I don't I wouldn't expect to. So, yeah. you know, um that that's fair. I still think it was a gutsy move and I was proud of him for doing it. I will say that. That's fair. I think that that yeah. I think, I think that's, that's hard and difficult. Yeah. And he made an admirable attempt even if it didn't work for you. It didn't work for me. I think it would work for some women. Yeah. Okay. It just didn't work for me. Fair. My least favorite part of that, I think is this is the best place to start. My least favorite part is that this didn't feel connected enough. Mm-hmm. Um it it felt like a an extended prologue and if you're going to give me an extended prologue, I kind of need the thing that is leading me to <laughs> I need immediately. The story. Yeah, I need I need the thing that it's pointing to now, not whenever you finish it. Um and the way I understand that this is largely an experiment for him and to like kind of do a low stakes like okay, I'm going to do I'm going to try and do publish something and do it at the easy way of the novella and kind yeah. of figure out all the, the, the like um, bumps and all that throughout the entire process, not just the writing yeah. and creation process, but also the like selling it, getting it through Amazon or wherever, right. you know, he published it through and all that. And as that, I can look at this and go, all right, um, you're experimenting with this. You did well enough that I am I am willing to go on yeah. and like check out more of what you've got. I've I've heard him talk about his world and his magic systems in on on YouTube because this he is a YouTuber. Yeah. Um. But this story in particular is it does feel amateurish in some ways in in terms of like the the world building though. I didn't say my specific least favorite part. It's it's the way it doesn't all connect together. Yeah. It feels like it's like, all right, I have a cool idea for this thing. I have a cool idea for this thing. I have a cool idea for this thing. I have not successfully made them escalate into one another. Right. They do lead into each other, but they don't like, it's not. They don't like, cause don't, each other. I don't feel like I'm, I'm, well, I'm clinking kind of up the, the roller coaster. I don't feel like I've got that ratcheting of like, oh, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And then it all right. dives down. It's more like. Oh, we're riding along, we're riding along, we're riding along, bam, we're all dead. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that can work, but I don't think that Daniel made it work for him in this particular story. It's almost more like there's just one long string of oh shit. <laughs> yeah. And then wham, we're dead. Yeah. Like, because it's not happy enough to be like, we're riding along, we're riding along, we're <laughs> yeah, riding along. True. It's like, oh yeah. shit, oh more shit, oh shit, oh shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so... That said, though, like I said, this is an experiment. And my, my favorite part about this is the way that Daniel creates a world around me. Because there's a lot of books that are even like published by many time authors where mm-hmm. I don't have nearly the clear sense and vision of the world presented as well as he did here. Right. Um, and that's not, that's not just the, like, oh, I'm not just talking about, like, the gore or the characters, like, having a good look at them. I feel like I understand a piece of this world. I yeah. Feel, and it feels like a world that I am interested in exploring more like the idea of this chosen thing the idea of the this um religion that it seems to be so all-powerful the way that this is a hyper bleak like everything sucks world but not everyone is aware necessarily how Mm -hmm. much it sucks but you'll find out eventually because it's gonna bite you at some point i like all that i think that that is interesting and i want to see more of it but i do need to see daniel grow as a as a writer to to maintain interest in it this story actually reminds me quite a bit of Mistborn, mm. the first Mistborn book. Yeah. Um, in with some of the same issues. Yeah. Like where there is some of the like continuity issue. Yeah, There's yeah. some of the issue of we're in it's a male writer writing first person from a girl's head, mm-hmm. and he doesn't do it well all the time. Right. Like. It, even in terms of like the type of world that's being built mm-hmm. and the the story that's being told, there's some similarities. Yeah. And I would read, I, I like Brandon Sanderson. Yeah. I enjoy reading his stuff. I'd be happy to read the second Mistborn book if I ever got around to it. Yeah. But because the first book had some of these same flaws. It didn't like make you, it, I need to read the I next I didn't one. just, I kind of jumped into the second book and then I was like, oh, but 
you know, so-and-so's dead and eh, meh. And then I just put it down. Yeah. 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 I get that. Um, So overall, I am also not going to give this a super high score. Uh, I'm going to give this two and a half astounding erections. (laughs) Um, But I am sort of grading on a curve for the fact that this is a novella. Yeah. uh, Specifically. Not grading on a curve for this being his first attempt because that that is something... Um, that I don't want to do. I don't want to be like, oh, you're, this is your first try, so I'm going to give you easy points on it. But I think that a lot of what's going on here is Daniel struggling with the uh, the the short the form length, yeah. Because with a novella, like it's sort of like a short story in that you have to do basically everything that you do with a normal story, just yeah. in less space. Yeah. And um, with the with what he did, there are some things that I really really like here. But when I first finished this story, I was really mad and was very annoyed that I had read it in some ways of like, mm-hmm. this didn't feel like it had enough of a point. Mm-hmm. Why did I bother with this? Yep. Um, so I want to see more from Daniel. I'm not going to reread this though. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's where it comes down to at the end. Um, but overall, I'm glad that we, we took the time to do this because yeah. it was a fun experience and I, I at least enjoyed this podcast enough that it was worth reading. So that's true. Um, you know where you can find other podcasts that you might enjoy enough to, to, Listen to again? I, yeah. Probably not. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> you know where you can find other podcasts that right. you don't want to listen to a second time? <laughs> at www.opinionatedpodcast.com. You can also come yell at us at OpinionCast on Twitter, or you can find us on Facebook at Opinionated Podcast. We always love hearing from you, whether it's uh, suggestions for books that you want to give us to read, or whether it's movie reviews, which is our normal bread and butter if you're coming here for just this, this one thing. Until next time. We're Opinionated. Thanks for listening. I don't know if it was a mouse or a mole or a vole, but something just went crawling past us. You know what? I'm not going to worry about it because this isn't going to be my house for very long. So oh, they can there he goes. It. There he goes. Oh, <laughs> I think it's a mouse. Okay. I'm okay with the mouse. Okay. It can live here. It's not hurting big? me. Mm, okay. It's a, it's a big old mouse. I'm used to the little tiny ones. Just don't chew through any wires and we're, we're good, dude. Right. Don't cause a fire. Yeah. Okay, you're going to have to cut all that. <laughs> There's a creature. That's going at the end of the podcast. <laughs> you have a creature. <laughs> Especially in the context of like, we're in a basement. I know. There's creepy dark shadows. <laughs> I couldn't see it. Like, is it going to pop out and just be full of viscous black knot blah. blood? Blah. Anyway. <laughs>